in our last episode we saw how the battle of matki ended without any clear winner and both sides suffering heavy losses now the next day the british gathered at the huge shik entrenchment at firochsha goff wanted to attack at once but hardinge overruled him and ordered him to wait for the division from firozhpur to arrive when they arrived late on 21st december goff led the attack at around 3:30 pm on the shortest day of the year hi this is kaushik mazumdar your host and today we will take a detailed look into the first anglo sikh war The battle of Firoz Shah began with the British gunmen moving forward to begin an initial bombardment which proved ineffective. Not only were the Sikh gunmen more in number and protected by parapets and entrenchments, but they were also far heavier than the British guns. Goff's heavy 18-pounder guns had been left behind at Matki as artillery dwelt british and bengal infantry advanced but came under heavy fire one of the british regiments lost about half of its men and was forced to retreat as darkness fell the british launched a renewed attack which overran several sikh batteries and penetrated the sikh camp around the village of Firochsha itself before being driven back by counterattacks fierce fighting continued until midnight many casualties were caused on both sides as a shik magazine exploded the next day goff and hardinge tried to reform their troops apprehending the defeat on that very day hardinge sent word to the camp at matki that the state papers in his custody were to be burned if he loses and gave his word to his aid camp when the dawn broke the british realized that they held most of the camps and had captured 71 guns despite heavy losses from the remaining sikh artillery reforming their line goff and hardinge advanced and drove away lal singh's army from the field subsequently as tej singh's army was approaching from another side the remaining and exhausted british army was withdrawn to spare the wounded from the massacre in the battle of firoz shah while a large part of the british army suffered from the stench of the dead and many fell sick upon drinking from polluted wells one seventh of the army had been subjected to casualties on the shik side there were dismay and recriminations it was evident that both lal singh and tej singh are potentially treasonous commanders both were dogras rather than shikhs and were prominent in the faction which was seeking to curb the power of the shik army to intervene in the lahore darbar Lal Singh was alleged to have sheltered in a ditch throughout the battle and exhibited little activity. 
Tej Singh had used the thinnest pretext to order a retreat when most of his officers and troops were roaring to go ahead and run over the exhausted British and Bengal armies. When hostilities resumed, a Sikh detachment crossed the Satlej near Aliwal, threatening Gough's lines of supply and communication. A division under Sir Harry Smith was sent to deal with them. On 16 January 1846, Smith recovered two outposts, which the Sikh had seized at Fatehgarh and Dharamkot. Sikh cavalry repeatedly attacked British rearguards, seized most of Smith's baggage and captured all the troops who were left behind. Nevertheless, exhausted Smith succeeded in reaching Ludhiana and a brigade from Delhi was reinforced to him. On 20th January, a reinforced British regiment advanced against the Sikh army at Aliwal. After the initial bombardment, Smith identified that Aliwal was the Sikh weak point. He sent his infantry brigades to capture the village from where they could enfilade the Sikh center. They seized the village and began advancing across the Sartlej. The infantry in the Sikh center tried to defend but was overrun and forced into open by a Bengal infantry regiment and the Bengal horse artillery opened fire. The Sikh soldiers fled across the fort abandoning most of their guns, baggage, tents and supplies. They lost 2,000 men and 67 guns. Many commentators referred to this victory of Smith as the battle without a mistake. Gough's main army had now been reinforced and joined by Smith's division. They attacked the main Sikh bridgehead at Sobrao on 10th February. Gough had intentions to inflict the attack on the Sikh army as soon as Smith's division had joined from Ludhiana. But Hardinge forced him to wait until a heavy artillery train had arrived. The state of the battle was delayed by heavy fog, but as it lifted, 35 British heavy guns and howitzers opened fire. Sikh cannons also fired back. The bombardment went on for two hours without much effect on the Sikh defense. At some point, Goff was informed about the shortage of ammunition for the heavy guns. Two British divisions under Smith and Major General Sir Walter Gilbert advanced from the left, while another division under Major General Robert Henry Dick carried out the main attack from the right. It is believed that Lal Singh had supplied all the formational and strategic information before the battle started to Major Henry Lawrence. Nevertheless, Dick's division was driven back by Sikh counter-attacks as Dick himself was killed. The British Gurkhas and Bengal regiments renewed their attacks along the entire front of the entrenchment and broke through at several points. British engineers blew a breach in the fortifications and British cavalry and horse artillery pushed through it to engage the Sikhs at the center of the formation. Tej Singh had left the battlefield early. It is alleged in many Sikh survivors' account that he deliberately weakened the pontoon bridge. 
he had ordered his artillery on the west bank to fire on the bridge on the pretext of preventing british pursuit the bridge broke trapping about 20000 of the sikh army on the east bank yet none of the trapped sikh soldiers surrendered they fought till death some of the sikh soldiers rushed to attack the british regiment with only a sword in their hands others tried to swim the river british horse artillery lined the bank of the river and continued to fire into the water by the time the firing ceased the sikhs had lost about 10000 men and 67 guns the destruction of the bridge did not delay goff at all if this had indeed been tej singh's intention the first british unit began to cross the river on the very evening of the dreadful battle of sobraon and on 13th february goff's army was only 48 km from lahore after the conclusive defeat of the sikhs at the battle of sobraon the british marched unopposed into lahore on 20th february 1846 regent maharani jindan kaur along with central darbar nominated gulab singh the effective ruler of jammu to negotiate terms for surrender a decision that india would suffer for long even after independence a peace treaty was signed between the 7 year old maharaja dalip singh and the east india company at the historic lahore court on 9th march to end the first anglo sikh war till now we saw how the british came very close to defeat at the battle of firoz shah during the first anglo sikh war but were eventually victorious due to blatant betrayal by prime minister lal singh and army commander in chief tej singh the british army marched unopposed into lahore on 20th february 1846 astute governor general sir henry hardinge did not attempt to occupy the sikh empire state away instead he chose to force lahore darbar to sign a derogatory treaty regent maharani jindan kaur along with central darbar nominated gulab singh the effective ruler of jammu to negotiate terms for surrender the peace treaty that was signed between the 7 year old maharaja dalip singh and the east india company at the historic lahore court on 9th march had four major clauses the company will own the land along with all the royal properties of jalandhar duab situated between the rivers bias and satlej an indemnification for the expenses of the war 1.5 crores of nanak shahi rupees were demanded from the lahore court disarmament of the mutinous khalsa soldiers participated in the last two years of war along with the confiscation of all their arms and guns the british government accepted the independent sovereignty of raja gulab singh over jammu and kashmir territory and allowed him the privilege of a separate treaty with the british government Maharani Jindan Kaur was accepted as the regent of the minor maharaj 20000 infantry and 12000 cavalrys were allowed to run the state the company had long been in cahoots with raja gulab singh of jammu thanks to him the british were well aware of the dilapidated condition of the state treasury 
By signing the Treaty of Amritsar on 16th March with the company, Raja Gulab Singh seized his long-cherished land of Kashmir in exchange for 70 lakh personal Nanak Shahi rupees and became the founder and first Maharaja of the princely state of Kashmir and Jammu. To pay for this, from the very beginning, the Kashmiris were heavily taxed and complained of being sold into slavery. The angry courtiers of Lahore then incited the governor of Kashmir to rebel against Gulab Singh. But this rebellion was suppressed with the help of assistant resident at Lahore, Harbert Edwards. Soon the Kashmiri population rebelled throughout Jammu and Kashmir. By the means of these two treaties, the Sikh empire had suffered a massive contraction. Incompetent Lal Singh could not administer for long. Within a brief period of his ministry, the kingdom shrunk further. He was eventually deported to Agra for deception with the company. At this point, the company signed the Treaty of Bhairoval with Maharani Chindan Kaur on 26 December 1846. By the power of that treaty, the British government took over the administration of Punjab until Maharaja Dalip Singh reached the age of 16 and Lord Hardinge appointed Henry Lawrence as the resident instead of a native prime minister. The British army camped in Lahore in the pretext of protecting the Maharaja and the city of Lahore during the reorganization of the Sikh army. The British resident began to offer relevant posts to the Britishers. Jindan was deprived of political rights. The Sikh community could not tolerate the humiliating terms of the Treaty of Vairobhal. Jindan Kaur had perceived the intention of company merchants by then, but she remained silent for the sake of her minor son. But two years after the Lahore Accord, when Dalip was nine years old, she vehemently protested against the company rule. As a result, the resident exiled her without any trial to a secluded place called Sheikhpur. Those who supported her were hanged publicly. Thus, all the potential sparks of an insurgency were doused. Before returning to England, Lord Hardinge rejoiced to see that Punjab had calmed down. Want to learn more about the untold story of Indian freedom struggle? Keep listening. We got a page from episode notes and resources. Visit us at http colon forward slash forward slash www.ksproductionsusa.com. Subscribe to the Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle at Apple, Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too, so send us an email. Our email address is therevolution at ksproductionsusa.com. The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Productions INC in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shushmita Mazumdar from KS Productions INC 
and Shauli Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maithi, content developed by Dipanjan Maithi and Koshik Mazumdar. Original music composed and designed by Shottajit Shin. Also use compositions by Kazi Nasrul Islam. Stay safe, stay healthy.